Welcome back to Sharp Stats featuring KT Sharp with the Talking Yanks crew. I guess you are the Talking Yanks crew, Katie. I, I don't even know if we'd, we'd separate you from that, but myself, Talking Jake, John Boy, and KT, we're going to break it down a little more analytically than we normally do. We're going to get some stats, and we can still say fun stuff like, I don't like that, or why doesn't he do this, why doesn't he do that? But we can break it down with numbers today. We've got some fun stuff with Chad Bro Green and his improvements since he's come back from AAA. A little Edwin Encarnacion, the new Yankee. What some of the things we should be watching with him and maybe even a little Cameron Mabin if you get lucky. Around the horn we go to start it off. KT Sharp, how are you doing? <laughs> and you can, if you want to be honest with the people, you can. <laughs> okay, I will be completely honest with everyone. It turns out that traveling like thousands of miles across the globe and sleeping for one hour in like a 48-hour span is not a good thing because it gets you sick. So yes, folks, I have been a little under the weather over the weekend. It was pretty miserable. Um, you know, the tradition. I'm not even going to get into the gory details, but I think I'm sort of over the hump right now. Hopefully my voice doesn't sound like... Um, you know, Darth Vader or whoever. Um, so I apologize if I start into, you know, any coughing fits. We have our master editor there, though. Uh, John Boy, to make sure that I sound like a sweet little Yankee Rose. Um, so yeah. not really feel not really feeling like a sweet little Yankee Rose yet, but uh, but we'll get there, hopefully. Yeah, Kate, Katie would be getting off the off day if it was Boone, Cashman, and company, but we're old school. We we grew up on that play 162, so Katie is out there today. And if we if we lose her, we know it's due to sickness. If we lose John Boy today, it's due to being famished. Yeah, I'm really hungry right now. I'm starving. John missed lunch, so everyone's playing hurt today. What are you playing through? I'm I'm dealing with you two. You got <laughs> I'm I'm I'm, I'm ca- I got the team on my back. I- sore lower back. No, we we know if that was the case, the show would go under almost immediately. But um, we we've got everyone here. We're gonna fight through it, and I I think we're starting with something that got Jom and I both excited when you mentioned it, KT, because it's it's something that went from scary to kind of a nervous, interesting what's going to happen to now, it's it's changed what this team could do going forward, whether it's opener, whether it turns into kind of the Chad Green of old when he initially came up and he was this two- to three-inning weapon out of our bullpen. Uh, Chad Green is back, and we saw the exclamation point with his performance the other day where he had six strikeouts in his two innings. Um, Katie, what... Uh, what <laughs> what has happened? Well, it, it's been pretty remarkable, and we we sort of know the you know we sort of know the dec- the the point there of inflection when he was sent down. I believe it was sometime in late April, um, and then called back up in May, uh, sent down for a couple weeks. And there were some articles about him, you know, specifically working on his mechanics, um, which is I think it's a really good thing. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do when you go down there. He didn't pout. He didn't, you know, kind of just sit there and say, oh, it sucks, I'm here, and I should be up in the majors. He went down there with a plan, and it looks like they may have fixed something. 
Um, from the articles that I read, it was basically a change in his hand position, his set position when he gets set, where he put his, where um, earlier in the season he was had his glove sort of near his hips, in that area lower, and now he comes set and it's uh, much higher. It's up north towards near the, the middle of his chest. And you can see it in the visuals. There's been plenty of stuff, I think, tweeted out and written about it. Um, but it is pretty remarkable. And what he said, it was, it, it just gave him a better, a better sense of balance on the mound. And, you know, I've, you know, I've never been on a major league pitching mound, but, uh, you know, balance is absolutely a, the, one of the most critical things for a pitcher in terms of being able to repeat his delivery, I think, and focus on, you know, kind of the batter pitcher matchup. Um, so what I wanted to do is just kind of break down what he's been doing differently, um, from April, and then it really slots in nice in May and June. Um, so April versus May, June right now. Um, and so I'm just going to, like I always do, I'm just going to throw out some digits here for you. Bear with me. But these are these are really, really stark. So in April, he pitched in 10 games, 7 and 2 thirds innings. He gave up 14 runs in those 7 and 2 thirds innings, 4 home runs, and only 7 strikeouts and 4 walks. So really... I mean, we know Chad Green as basically a high strikeout guy who is just going to base, you know, just kind of use his fastball to, to blow it by you. And the, the most alarming thing is if you look at his, uh, the batting line against him, it was 395, 465 on base, 763 slugging, which basically is Christian Yelich this year, if you want to put that into context. Yikes. So that's a 12.28 OPS that uh, Chad Green was allowing in April, and Yelich right now has an 11.83 OPS for the season. So uh, a little better than the NL MVP. So yeah, but basically he's turning everybody into just a little bit better version than the NL MVP. <laughs> Babe Ruth, um, then we'll say. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, sort of. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, it was it was horrible, and we saw it. Uh, we know it. Uh, we knew it, and then he got sent down. He came back, and in 12 games uh, since he's come back, he's pitched 15 innings, so he's going a little bit longer, as we know. He's given up six runs. It's a it's a modest, it's a three ERA, which is <laughs> a lot better than the 16 ERA he was he was uh, sporting in April. Only t- two homers, and one of the uh, you know one of the more remarkable things: 23 strikeouts, two walks. I think there those are two really telling numbers, as we know, strikeouts and walks mean a lot in these small samples and his batting line is a much better although you know nothing really you know outwardly but it's 283 328 on base and 467 slugging so I mean it the, the transformation is really remarkable in his last and then in his last nine games it's even better he's given up just two runs in 11 in, innings he's got 19 strikeouts one walk and zero homers. Um, so that's just the last 11, nine games since May 22nd. Um, so obviously right there from the start, the three biggest things that I saw, and these are just really big picture stuff. I'll get into the nitty gritty in a little bit, but you see the strikeout rate. You see that increase from 16% to 36% in May and June. And just to put into some context, in 2017, when he was, you know, pretty much awesome, his strikeout rate was about 40%. So he's 
getting back to that level. And uh, he also obviously dropped his uh, his walk rate. Um, it's it's pretty low right now at three percent. It was at nine percent before, and his career is somewhere in between that. So, you know, we'll see probably that even out a little bit. Um, and the other thing is that he was just pitching better in big spots. Uh, there's a stat called left on base percentage, which is essentially the percentage of guys that you are able to strand on base. It was 42% in April, which is horrible. It's 82% now in May and June, which is basically what his career rate is, about 80%. His 2017 strand rate was really, really good. And then last year it dipped down to still good, but more, kind of more towards average. I don't know the numbers are, but I remember looking that up at mm-hmm. one point, and in 17 he was really good at that. So Yeah, that's something that is going to tend to normalize. So when you saw the 40%, you knew there was something wrong. And now that it's at 80%, which is like his career rate, that's probably where he's going to stabilize for the rest of the season. Um, so in terms of stranding runners, I think we're seeing, and in terms of strikeout rate, I think we're seeing the same Chad Green that we have seen in the past. Um, so the next thing I wanted to do was, I just kind of, there's probably a ton of reasons for why this stuff is happening. Um, you know, I mentioned the mechanical changes, but I just wanted to really focus on his fastball. Cause as we know, Chad Green, super fastball heavy, it's about 75, 80% of the time he throws his fastball. So I thought that would Katie, be the place please, to look. Please tell me you're going to say our favorite word. Spin rate. Um, yikes. Actually. Oh, no. I got well, all juiced uh, up. I'm sorry. It's, it's a better, it's better, better news than that though. Um, yes, the, there you the, go. Well, the good news is that his spin rate on the fastball has been the same. So it was the same before the same is now. Um, that wasn't the problem with him. The two, the two things that I saw, the first one was he had a massive increase in velocity. Um, with his fastball. So he went from, it was averaging 94.8 in April. Now it's at 96.4 in May, May and June. Um, so that's um, a one point one and a half mile per hour increase is very significant considering that he, his career average is about 95.8. So it's, he's bat, basically doing better uh, the last, you know, month and a half than he has you know, over his over his entire career. The other startling thing about this is that his max fastball velocity in April was 96.4. So basically the hardest thing that he threw in April is what he is averaging right now. Yeah. That, I mean, if there's one stat that's going to show you that he's got, he's got his fastball back, it's that, you know, he's averaging... What he what he's averaging now is the hardest that he could have thrown that he threw in April. That's impressive. Uh, I mean, it, the velocity was down really, really bad at the beginning uh, before he yeah. before he went. So that's why I was saying as soon as he came back, that first time he faced the Rays in that last inning when he struck out the side, uh, his velocity was back. Like his fastball had that jackrabbit that David Cohn likes to say. It had that zip. He still took a while to like be hitting spots perfectly, and we're still seeing him somewhat struggle like that. Like a lot of times, people say like, "Oh, Chad Green with that high fastball again." 
And a lot of times he's not trying to throw a high fastball. Gary's setting up low and away, and he's completely missing his spot. But it has that late life to it, and it still can get swing and misses. But we're still, his last outing was his best. He hit all his spots, and the slider was a slider that we never seen before. But it's that velocity there that as soon as he came back up from the minor leagues, it was back. It was back towards 97, uh, hitting 97, averaging more. We're not seeing 94 on the gun anymore. That was when it was really concerning. Yeah, he's hit, he's hit consistently 97, 98. His max is 99 since he's been back. Um, so that is the Chad Green that you want to see. And the, the, other, the other point I want to make on this is that that velocity increase is really important for a guy like Chad Green who relies on his fastball so much. Because if you kind of break it down, and I just did a really simple breakdown of the results on his fastball when he throws it 95 or better and when he throws it below 95, right? So just a simple thing like that. It's uh, one little line like that. When he throws it above 95, 95 or higher, in his career, he's allowed a batting average of 195 and a slugging of 324. When he throws it less than 95 miles per hour, the batting average is 273, the slugging is 494. So basically going, you know, like Romine to, I don't know, like a bad, a slightly worse version than Glaber, but like, you know, that kind of thing. Hot Cameron Maven. Yes, hot Cameron Maven. That is hot Cameron Maven. Um, so as we can see, so the velocity increase, huge for him. Um, and I, we saw that. You can see it. You saw it when he came back, um, you know, right from the start, as you mentioned, Jimmy. The other thing I noticed is that he added some horizontal movement um, to his fastball, uh, some our side movement. Um, which an inch, which is pretty significant for him. Um, and I think that's what you mean by when you see what, what, what Coney said and what you said there, John Boy, with that late life, is that he's getting those swings and misses because he does have that, he does have that arm side movement now um, where he's fooling mostly you know, the right-handed and left-handed batters, um, putting it away from them. Um, so the results of this, the movement, the velocity increase, obviously he's going to get a lot more swing and miss on this fastball. It's increased, he's increased his whiff percentage on that fastball. It was 20% um, in April, and it's 30% now, which is a 10 percentage point increase is, is really significant. Um, and uh, if you look at the line on his fastball, what hitters were, were crushing it, basically in April, and this is even worse than his overall line, a 435 batting average and an 870 slugging. That was April batters off of his fastball, which mind you, you know, he throws 80% of the time. So that's not good. And now it's a little bit of a more respectable 318 batting average and 500 slugging. But even that, if you look at it, if you look at the stat cast metrics, the expected metrics, and we've mentioned this before on the podcast, those numbers are a lot higher than the expected numbers. So his expected batting average on his fastball in May and June is 211. The expected batting average on or the expected slugging percentage on his fastball in May and June is 313. So you're seeing some significant differences between actually the quality of contact that he's giving up, which is really good, to the actual results that we're seeing um, from his fastball in May and June, which is, you know, good, not great. 
So I think that there is definitely even, you know, possibly even some room for improvement there with his fastball in terms of kind of having those, the expected results match the actual results. Yeah. Uh, so. And, I want to, uh, I want to see how his slider looks next time. I know that's a different subject, but did you notice how different it breaks? I know there's stats on the depth of a break and stuff like that. The shape yeah. of the slider. I know I it's only like a small sample, part. but it looked crazy last time. Yeah. Jake, the are you a believer in Chad now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I believed when, when he first came up and you saw his arm talent was back, it was almost like he entered spring training again for me. He had that one start where he, he gave up. He, he might have gave up a homer. Or he gave up a couple deep doubles, and I was like, that's still not my Chad. And then I think the other one, when, when Katie's mentioning the – the expected uh, verse would happen. There was one game when he just gave up a couple grounders just, that just found the hole. And then I was like, all right, that Chad Green is right. Um, he's just getting into it. So it almost, when he came up immediately, it was almost like <laughs> he had to go through a mini spring training again because he found his stuff again, but he had to get right a little bit for me. And then since then, I mean, he has been back back. Um, and it's, I think, I think it leads to an interesting conversation, whether you do him as a, a starter or if you piggy him off CC, cause Jim, I think you're all over it with, uh, Chad green. He's a starting pitcher reliever. He likes to know when he's going to pitch. Um, and, and he can and give you innings. Like I was just looking at this in 2017, he had 30 outings of more than one inning. Yeah. And he had, uh, 24 outings where he threw more than 25 pitches. And in 2018, he had 20 outings of more than one inning. Like, he is a starter who can give you two good innings to three good innings. Like, he, I know, I think in last year, they really wanted to try and make him a one inning shutdown guy that can be used at any time. Like, they wanted him to be the David Robertson type. And I don't think that's who Chet is. I think he needs to know uh, you got this day, you got this day, and he's going to go give it hell on that day. But I'm interested to see if they start lengthening him more, if they keep this opener. I think they should keep him as an opener somehow. Yeah, I mean, I think he's, I think he works really well as that opener. Um, and one of the things that I kind of noticed was that he just, he's really a lot more aggressive um, as the opener. And since he comes, since he's come back, you've seen that aggressiveness and that confidence. And I think that comes with being, you know, the first guy out, knowing his set role, where he can really kind of decide when and where he wants to throw his fastball. Um, and so I was, this is just one more stat there on his fastball in that he has been a lot more aggressive in throwing his fastball in the zone. Um, it's not like, you know, Chad Green, as you mentioned, Chad Green isn't really a guy who's going to get you to chase. He is the guy that's going to say, hey, this is my fastball. I'm going to throw it right there. I'm going to throw it right down the middle for you and you're not going to hit it. Um, and that's really when he starts to nibble, when he starts to get on the edges, that is when he is at his worst. So I looked, I wanted to, I, I mean, that's something that I knew. So I wanted to look at this. So in April, from April to, from April, then to May to June, he increased the percentage of the fastballs that he throws in the heart of the zone. So we're talking pitches that are in the middle. There's no doubt that they're going to be strikes. It was 30% in April. And it's now 37% in May and June. 
And that's come with a decrease in the number of pitches that have been on the edges or just outside the zone. Like the same, about the same percentage, about a 7.8 percentage point dif, uh, decrease in those pitches. Um, and what it has been, and batters are not, you know, batters are swinging more at those pitches in the zone and they're whiffing more as well. So it's working with for the, him. With the miles per hour ticked yep. up, he has the confidence again to say, I can miss my spot a little. I can put this right down the heart and you're not going to hit it because it's a good pitch. When he was throwing 94, he was like, shit, I got to be careful. I got to find an edge. I got to hit the black. Otherwise, it's going to get smoked. So maybe exactly. the confidence comes with the miles per hour, and that's who he needs to be. He's exciting yeah, again. In 2017, he would come out, and it was like, bam, 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 bam. Holy shit. And his last couple times opening, that's what it's, it's a shot of life right into the game. It's really good. I think the way he handled the whole being sent down and everything was admirable. I think maybe they should try the same with Holder sooner or later. <laughs> uh, uh, but I mean, I never, we like Chad on this podcast. We're pro Chad. So we never really, it was more like, dude, this isn't you like go. F-. And Not I think the same guy, I think he felt the same way because he, he was like, I went down there he worked on his stuff. He came right back. Now it's like, how long was he even gone for? How long were we without him? Doesn't even feel like that often. Like Chad's back. Yeah, and I, I, I think the only other thing that's kind of of note, and it's it's where we started the conversation, I, I mean, we've seen uh, Tanaka didn't have his splitter for a bit this season, but Tanaka's a starting pitcher that gets to throw 90 pitches, and he also has four more pitches he could go to. We saw Tanaka lean on a slider, um, use his fastball differently. We saw him mix it up out there. Chad Green is essentially a one-and-a-half pitch guy. Jimmy and I are starting to get excited over that half pitch because the slider is actually looking, starting to look a little better. But you throw 80% fastballs, and you don't have that. I mean, we've seen you know, James Paxson. His fastball went from 98, the Boston game, to he was kind of around 94, 95 for a little bit. And, Katie, I, I just love the point you made about the mechanics there that the one-inch change is actually like kind of a major change in baseball. Um, and that's when you talk about hand placement and location. I mean, how much something like that can affect someone, uh, especially a reliever who only has maybe 20 pitches a game to prove himself. That's kind of why they're so volatile. Yeah. That was little, little, little me talking to myself sometimes, but that's, we, that's, that's what yeah. goes on up there. Do we have anything else on, on Chad, Katie? That's, that's pretty much the stuff that I wanted to focus on. Um, you know, obviously the other, the other kind of numbers that I wrote down here was, uh, you know, it was, um, that he is giving up, you know, a little bit more fly balls, um, which is to be expected because he is a fly ball pitcher. So I'm not really sure you'd want to see him getting more grounders. Cause that would mean that he's trying to do something that he not, he isn't. So he's given okay. up a lot more fly, he's given up more fly balls, but the thing is, and you can tell from those statistics that I mentioned before the the exit velocity and the hard hit rate has absolutely plummeted um, on those on uh, on basically all the batted balls against him and this was kind of um, this was just this is pretty remarkable for his fastball his hard hit rate in April was sixty five percent sixty five percent of the balls against against his fastballs that were hit into play were over ninety five miles per hour that's down to now. 39% in May and June. Uh, so I think that that's really telling is that just having that 
you know, having that extra oomph, having that added velocity, that extra movement has really, you know, improved the life of his fastball and the effectiveness of it. Um, and you can see that from the hard hit rate. And, um, and you know, the uh, there's also been a reduction in the exit velocity uh, by about five or six miles per hour. So and it, it is it is good to have our Chad Green with that fastball back. Um, it'll be interesting to watch the roll going forward, and Katie will also have you keep a little eye out for that slider because you can hear I will, me and Jim's definitely. voice. That uh-huh. that kind of made us go ooh the other day. But um, speaking of welcoming to the Yankees, Mr. Brian Cashman dropped a bomb on us Yankee fans over the weekend as we debated roster crunch moves for the past month or so. He said, how about I drop you guys with one of the best power hitters this decade, the most home runs and RBIs since 2012, Edwin Encarnacion, walking the parrot, Katie. And Katie, there's so many stats here. I I think we were all shocked when we found out (laughs) those power numbers about Edwin. Because if you've been following baseball, you knew he was good, but you didn't realize if if he finishes this year well, he's going to have the most home runs this decade. And when you look, back it's guys like A-Rod, Babe Ruth it's it's some impressive numbers there but Katie what numbers what what do we need to know about Edwin if we don't already know it and I think one of the big things you're going to touch on which is a common Yankees detractor thing is is talking about all the right-handed hitters in this Yankees lineup yeah I'm gonna actually start there um because I think that that is sort of the one one of the misconceptions um, on this team, and um, I mean, I I really don't have a lot of explanation for some of these team wide trends, but I'm just you know kind of looking at the stats and what I've been uh, what I've been observing, and uh, so what I wanted to do was sort of focus on you know adding another right handed bat. Oh crap! You know that's just going to make them <laughs> more vulnerable um, in the bullpen to a lot of those right handed uh, relievers, or it's going to you know allow you know, you, you know, you're going to have all those uh, lineup mechanics trying to split people up in the lineup. Um, so one of the sort of the dirty little secrets of this Yankee team is that their stats versus left-handed pitchers are really bad this season. And that's despite the fact that we have all of these right-handed bats. Um, and you're not, and there is no blame to be put on just the left-handed bats for this awful production versus uh versus left-handed pitching, which I'll, I'll get into in a minute. But the right-handed bats have been pretty bad, have been really bad versus left-handers. So just some overall numbers against left-handed, uh, against left-handed pitchers. They are 25th in batting average, 25th in on-base percentage, and 26th in slugging. This is a Yankees team with all these right-handed batters, and those are their ranks among all major league teams against left-handed pitchers. They're basically 20% below league average if you look at sort of overall offensive production in, uh, in what, what I liked, what, a stat called weighted runs created plus, which you can find on fan graphs. That's 25th in the majors. So we're talking bottom five team against left-handers. And so I was like, okay, well then, you know, it must be... It must be all those bad lefties that we have in our lineup, which we don't really. But no, our right-handed batters against left-handed pitchers, these are the ranks. 24th in batting average, 24th in on-base percentage, 25th in slugging, 25th in OPS. So, 
the blame is everywhere on the roster. And for some reason, I haven't, you know, I haven't really dug into this. I don't know why, but our right-handed bats are just not hitting left-handed pitchers this season. And, you know, it's obviously a smaller sample size than you'd like um, because we are, you know, we're not even halfway through the season and you see lefties less often than you see righties. Um, But the misconception that adding another right-handed bat is going to somehow detract from this team um, is wrong because the one thing that Edwin has shown he can do this season, among other things, is hit um, hit left-handed pitching. So uh, hold on, I'll just uh, filter for this right now. So this season, he's hitting. He's got a 3.56 on base, a 5.57 slugging, and a 9.14 OPS against uh, against left-handed pitching which would be the best on the Yankees uh, of any player. Right now, DJ is basically the only Yankee that has above-average marks. I'm sorry, the only uh, right-handed bat that has above-average marks against left-handed pitching right now. Um, And Edwin's marks, um, what he's done this season, would be the best on the Yankees for any right-handed batter. So I think that adding him is going to be, is hopefully going to help increase this, you know, whatever has happened to their production against left-handers, help that. And then we know Judge and Stanton getting back. They crushed left-handers last year. We hope that they can crush left-handers again this year. Um, Yeah, Stanton last year versus left-handed reliever. uh, It was like, like, that was my gold, that was my gold stat. I mean, my gold tweet. It was was nuts. Yeah, he was hitting like 400 slugging like seven, eight hundred. Um, but I think is, that those, those, I mean, that number has to go up. That Yankees yeah. uh, number against left-handers, it has to go up this season. For anyone that's been listening since the beginning of the season, Jake has been, and I, we've been talking about how, like, left, like, we <clears throat> we were saying at the beginning of the season that teams may avoid throwing lefties to the Yankees. Hold on. <clears throat> now, granted, we haven't had Judge or Stanton, and those are the main guys you want to avoid throwing your lefties do like they really help, but now you gave all the batting average numbers, but even just the bare bone stats, the Yankees are 28 and 19 versus right-handed pitchers when facing a righty starter. That's like a 72% winning percentage. When they face a lefty, they're 15 and 10 still winning percentage, but only like 60. So they have 10 losses versus lefty starters and 19 versus righty and way more games versus righty starters. I think it's 47 to 25, almost double. So it's weird. That's not like what you expect to go into it. I wonder how many people even know that. Like we've been bad against lefties. Yeah, I mean, the thing is though, right. And the thing is though, when people say, oh, well, you're too right-handed. So throw righty starters at you or throw, throw all those righty bullpen guys at you. Well, the Yankees' right-handed batters are actually the best in the league against right-handed pitching. They have the highest batting average uh, and the uh, second-highest slugging and the highest OPS against the righties, uh, the righties against right-handed pitching. Wow. Um, so I think, you know, and obviously that's a little bit of a larger sample, so... You know, we can feel actually feel a little bit more confident in that um, that the Yankees have been doing so well 
against these uh, these right-handed pitchers with all of these righty bats. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think you're right with Stan coming back. Hopefully, he crushes lefties the same way. That would be really fun, huh? But Edwin Edwin helps in so many ways. Like he's a runners in scoring position guy. He's a good at bats guy. He's a home run guy. And now you're telling us he's good against lefties. So pretty good acquisition for Juan Then and three million bucks. Yeah, and even better, um, this next stat that that you guys uh, that I know is going to really get Jake excited um, is that it will it will inevitably push Glaber down in the order in the batting order. Yeah, that's um, something I've been. You, I know. You, yeah, I know you guys mentioned that on your uh, your series recap episode that you did a couple days ago. Um, and yes, frankly, I'm not like you said. I'm not really a believer in those batting order position splits. But for a guy like Labor, it's it's different. You know, it's it's baseball. It's it's more of the mental side because he is so young that you can't ignore the fact that you know he probably does feel a little bit more comfortable um, batting not third, not fourth. Um, and the numbers are stark, as you guys mentioned. Um, he's a way below average um, hitter. Um, if you look at when he hits third and fourth um, compared to when he just when he even hits fifth or lower in the in the lineup. Um, and that's true for his entire career. I just you know you can't really look at last year or, or this year. Um, it's been a, it's been a theme for for both seasons. So I think that, and the fact then you send Glaber down to the bottom of the lineup, and you know what? The bottom of our lineup just keeps getting better and better. Yeah. And as I, as I mentioned on this podcast before, I think it was one of the first episodes, we have a top three offense from the bottom of our batting order. Um, it's batting average, on-base percentage, slugging, however you want to slice and dice it. We are one of the three best offenses from the bottom of the batting order. Yeah. Um, and which it just goes, keeps just getting goes better. to show you. And it just keeps getting better, and that only can help your overall lineup when you have that circular motion. You know, you love it, the hamster wheel, whatever. Yeah. Keep oh, it yeah. going. Keep the line moving. And the um, bottom of the order includes a guy named Cameron Maben, who has three home runs in a row as we're talking, probably going to hit his fourth today versus the Rays in the bullpen day. <clears throat> what do we got on Cameron Maben? Like, he's Oh, Jim, I'm, I'm not ready, man. I've got, so, I've got so much. Katie just floored me. With what? We've got so much on those splits. It's Gary, Glaber, and Voight. Because I'm thinking about this, and you, we know Judge and Stanton haven't been there, right? But who has been? Gary, Glaber, and Voight. And I think it's pretty wild that Gary, Glaber, and Voight, their batting averages are lower versus lefties. Their OPSs are pretty similar. And it's it's kind of funny with Voight, his whole thing, the whole Luke Voigt experiment is kind of new. Um, Glaber, I mean, we only have his rookie year to look back on. Gary, you can't compare last year, but you can kind of compare his career at this point. I, I think it's going to be really interesting that Giancarlo is really the big lefty mauler, and we have him coming back tonight, so that's something to watch. It'll be interesting to see if these trends change. I wonder if it's just the wrong lefties at the wrong time. Um, but, I mean... Not that these guys are unicorns throughout baseball, but we're talking about three main guys in our lineup that are arguably better versus, ref, versus righties than lefties. That's a little bit of an oddity, is it not, Katie? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, those, that's, that's why they call them reverse splits. Um, 
So I like I said, I really don't. I haven't really, you know, don't have a great explanation for it. Um, <laughs> other than you know, it's baseball, Susan. But um, but yeah, I mean, Gary, league average hitter against uh, right against lefties this year. Glaber Torres, worse than league average hitter against lefties this year. Uh, Luke Voigt, slightly better um, than league average, but nothing spectacular. Um, and those are the guys you think would be hammering lefties. So, and it could be that we have just faced a lot of tough lefties, but you know what? We're going to be facing a lot of tough lefties going forward, too, when you have um, Blake Snell, you know, Chris Sale, David Price, I hate to say it, but David Price, um, in the same division as you. Um, and uh, it's just, it's not going to, it's not going to get any easier. And, you know, maybe it is something to do with the lineup. I don't know. But um, getting Judge, Stanton, and now adding Edwin, I think, uh, should, at least in theory, um, be helped to improve those numbers. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of wild. You almost think that Cashman... The competitors in the AL East, the Red Sox can have three to four lefties in their rotation at once. Uh, Snell is the biggest starter for the Rays, and I, I think that's a little bit of why Brian Cashman is pretty okay having this righty stack. So um, interesting to see, and you have made me less calm about uh, potentially when we play the Astros, which is also later this week and a good chance later this season. And as Jimmy alluded to, someone that's hitting anything you, and everything. Why are you less calm about the Astros? I'm less nervous. Excuse me, James. Oh, okay, okay. I was yeah, like, no, I'm more, I'm more calm. Katie, yeah, Katie always calms me down. Okay, I was um, going to say. You know that. I was going to no. say, I think you got everything. Did Jake just hear the opposite of everything I heard? <laughs> no, 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 no. We got it. You just had to listen to the tone of the voice. Never listen to the words I say. And back to young Cameron Mabin. Um, not as young as we like to depict, but Katie, he's been awesome. He's he's become the topic in the Yankees verse. We we have Giancarlo Stanton coming back, Aaron Judge potentially coming back this week. We traded for Edwin Encarnacion, who has the most home runs this decade. And what are we talking about? Cameron Mabin, <laughs> because he's been just a a ball of energy. We've Jimmy and I have been joking that if if this was the SAT question and Jonathan Cold Holder is to cursed, then Cameron Mabin is to like blessed, lucky, just good things happen when he's around the baseball. Um, are can we make sense of it with stats, Katie, or do we just say he's he's got the right voodoo doll or what? I have one question before we give Katie the floor that, that I ho- sure. hope you can answer is the one thing we know that when Cameron came, Mabin came to the Yankees and they started hitting good. People asked him, well, you know, what have you changed? And he said, well, I came to the Yankees. They told me just swing harder. Just swing hard. Try to hit bombs. So is his exit velocity any different from previous seasons? I hope that we can oh. find an answer to that. I don't know if you have that pulled up, Katie. I don't know if I've put you on the spot there. But I, if it matches, that's pretty funny. So what do we have on camera, maybe? I think, I, Jamie, I think you need to head to Vegas right now. Because that is exactly what has happened. And it is remarkable. Um, So, yes. They told him to hit the ball harder. They told him to swing harder. And you know what? He's really good at following directions. 
Um, <laughs> and we, we obviously, we don't have, you know, his entire career um, of StatCast data. So we only had the last couple seasons. But, um, you know, leading up to this season, his average exit velocity was roughly about 86%. This year, it's 90.8. I mean, I'm sorry, 86%. 86 miles per hour, excuse me. This year, 90.8 miles per hour. You know, four and a half mile per hour difference. Um, his launch angle, he's increased from probably, it's roughly about seven uh, degrees to 12 degrees. So he's hitting the ball higher. He's hitting the ball harder. And the, re- the hard hit rate, 33% the last couple seasons. Oh, a cool 47% this year. So, uh, whatever Cashman told him or, or slipped him underneath the table uh, is working um, because he is indeed hitting the ball harder, hitting it higher, and hitting it farther. Um, and, uh, oh, the other stat, uh, we've, we've mentioned barrels on this, on this uh, podcast before, right? It's mm-hmm. basically a stat cast metric, stat cast s- sort of type definition of a batted ball that is like basically the best type of thing you can do. All barrels are base are either you know home runs or really hard hit doubles down the line or or to the wall. He's doubled his barrel percentage. About it was three three and a half percent the last few seasons. This year, ten percent. I think Gary is at roughly about thirteen or fourteen percent of batted balls. So he's not quite in the Gary level, um, but he's well above the league average, which is six percent. Um. So those are just sort of some underneath, underneath, uh, underneath the hood, I guess, statistics showing that, you know, yes, we know Cameron Maven is sort of on this hot streak. He's got a, a 383 batting average and a 660 slugging in his last 15 games. But his overall numbers are really good for the entire season. And it's not really that much of a fluke because of those stats that I showed you, those launch angles, the the exit velocity, the hard hit rate. He's legitimately making better contact this year. Um, so I think that, you know, we're not going to, he's not going to hit 400 the rest of the season. You know, give that up. He's not going to hit 40 bombs, you know, at his current rate or whatever. Um, but he is, I think, you know, I don't know what he did, but um, he's definitely changed his approach. At the, he's changed his mechanics or something. Um, but he is hitting the ball harder. Um, and the other thing that is really that kind of stood out to me, what makes him what makes him so valuable, is that he's unshiftable. He has seen one or two shifts the entire season, and we know that's a problem with some of our with some of our um, with some of our players. Like you know, we see Glaber get shifted, we see Luke Boyd get shifted a lot, we see Gary get shifted a lot. You know, we're going to see Giancarlo and, and Aaron Judge get shifted. But kind of like DJ, Maven is a guy that you really, you really can't shift again. Yeah, I feel, I feel like I saw a couple of his ground, ground balls in the White Sox series, and it's, it's kind of this new age baseball, right? You see a ground ball, and you're not sure, is, is there someone behind second base? Is there not? Where's the shortstop playing? Is he near third? Is he by the bag? And it, it just seems like Cameron Maven's ball is, is fine in the right spot. The old Yogi hit him where they ain't. Um, 
God, it's just been so much fun. And then you tell me he's barreling balls <laughs> at a clip just below Gary. It's insane. Katie, I know we usually get your, uh, all the stats from you, but what about Katie opinions? Do you think, yes. do you think Cameron Mabin, do you think they should DFA Sessa or send Holder down to work on things and keep the four-man bench as long as they can? Uh, what do you think that we need to keep? Like Jake and I both think try to keep Cameron Mabin around. Jake counted the off days and there's enough. And with the Scranton shuttle, you can make it work with like, you know, Nestor and Hale and chance rotating. What are your thoughts? Do you think, or what do you, what do you, what do you want them to do? And what do you think they will do? Well, I am a pro four man bench and I, I pretty much always have been. Uh, I think that the flexibility, it just, it gives you in terms of having substitutions when you don't feel like you need to hedge yourself into, you know, keeping some guy in the game when maybe he shouldn't be in the game, making defensive replacements. I think those are really underrated aspects of the game. And so I am way pro four-man bench. I think he should stay. And I think it is absolutely manageable to have the bullpen with only seven guys, especially when you can have, when you have the sprint and shuttle. Um, (laughs) Excuse me, the sprint and shuttle. When you just need to send a guy down when he gets tired, you know, he spends whatever the 10 days there. You can send another guy up. We've got so much depth of AAA depth of those just fungible releases, like a Joe Harvey or a Stephen Carpley. Um, you know, guys that are, they're way better than Luis Sessa at this point. I mean, I'm saying way better, but they can do just as good of a, or just as bad of a job of, of what Sessa's doing. So we don't need Sessa. I am definitely on the pro DFA Sessa um, train. Uh, he has had several seasons, seasons now to prove himself. Um, yes, he does throw 95 occasionally, but that 95 often ends up in the seat. Huh. Uh, and um, he is he's not even a, a good mop-up guy at this no. point because we have people who can give us length in Nestor and uh, in, in Nestor Cortez. And um, and it, even in Chad Green, if we need it. Um, so I would really like to see them keep Cameron Maven. Uh, he has been phenomenal. And he is one of those guys that you can kind of just plug in anywhere. You can plug him anywhere in the lineup. He's got speed. He's, you know, flexibility with the outfield. He's obviously has terrific defense. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, not prone to shift. And he's, He's shown significant gains in the right places in that in that quality of contact that he's made uh, that he's making. Um, and then you know, I'll just throw out this stat because we we like to you know we like to kind of put things into context. And you know, WAR is one of those numbers that we can use to sort of show a player's value, overall value, right? Batting, fielding, base running, everything. So it is a counting stat, though. So he's nowhere near the leaders on the team in in terms of you know total war but what you can do is you can put it on a rate basis so you kind of can look at it what i like to do is just look at it per 600 plate appearances so look at how much war we've accumulated and then kind of divide it by 600 and what it would look like over a full season of 600 plate appearances so right now he is at a 3.5 war for 600 plate appearances which is fantastic and it just happens to be the fourth best on the team behind Gary, DJ, and Glaber. 
So ahead of guys like, I'm sorry, but, you know, Luke Voigt and, you know, whoever, Gio, and, and those guys are great, but he's legitimately been on a rate, on a rate basis one of the most valuable players on this team. Wow. Yeah. It's uh, a lot of a lot of head nods and shock that don't do well in the podcast world, but um, I mean, it's it's just incredible stuff, and it's uh, it also it just like passes the eye test too. We 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 joke that you know is is Maben lucky or blessed or the opposite of Holder, whatever you want to label it, but he just looks good, and I I think what uh you know we we don't like giving out compliments on this podcast but what jimmy said best that resonated with me was that he's a playoff player man it when it when it's october you got a guy like that on your on your team and you can either throw him in to run play defense if he has to if he has to have an at bat you trust him if like runner on third i just any situation um I mean, we just trust Cameron Maben in right now, and maybe it helps that we're talking about him after a three-game homer streak, but um, he's been great. Great. Um, Anything else on Cam? He just retweeted our guy Jared Saw, so I like him even more now. So we like him even more. We like like getting love at Talking Yanks. Um, And I think that brings us to, Jimmy, play that sound bite we play for for the Sharp Stat of the Week. The sharp stat of the week brought to you by our drummer. Um, no, KT Jake, Sharp. Jake, Jake, you never gave us your butter knife stat. Butter knife stat. I got no butter knife stats. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I got all sorts of butter knife stats. Um, that's uh, you come come to talking Jake on Twitter if you want to see me chop up stats. KT, you have a fun stat of the week this week that has us comparing some of the best players in the game. Who is it and what is it about? Okay. All right, guys. Here we go. So I was actually, I was really excited by this Edwin Encarnacio um, acquisition. I know. And um, just because the things that he does, I think, are really underrated. I think that not enough people know about just how well-rounded of a player he is. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of the stats that have been thrown out there are about his home run. And that's great. You know, home runs, we love home runs. I don't care. I love home runs. Um, please give me more. Um, but underrated as a power hitter, he has a he has a very low strikeout rate, and he is extremely patient as well. So there are a lot of good things you can do in baseball. Uh, hitting home runs is or hitting for a lot of power is one of them. Not striking out a lot is another one, and walking more than the average hitter is another one, right? So those are three really good things. Uh, Edwin just happens to be really good at all three of those things. So I wanted to look at this season, uh, qualified guys that sort of were near what Edwin is doing or what, what he's doing this, what he's doing this year so far. So he current, Edwin currently has a, up here, a 14% walk rate above better than the league average, a 19% strikeout rate better than the league average, and a 286 isolated power. And if you guys don't know what isolated power is, it's it's basically it's just slugging percentage minus um, batting average. What it does is well, it's better than slugging percentage because 
it only measures um, your extra base hits. So it's basically the percentage of at-bats that are extra base hits. Sort of. um, whereas slugging percentage, we know, includes singles, which not really much power there. So this is really isolating your extra base hit power. Um, so he's at 286, which is definitely well above the league average. So I wanted to look at guys that met all of those statistical thresholds. Um, and I kind of loosened it a little bit uh, just to, so we don't, we're not so strict. So I look at guys that had at least a 13% walk rate, a strikeout rate below 20%, and an isolated power of at least 270. And Edwin fits all of those criteria. And there are three other players in baseball uh, also that fit that criteria this season. Christian Yelich, Cody Bellinger, and Mike Trout. Woo. And Edwin. And Edwin. Yes. Those four players are the only ones that are kind of combining that lots of power, lots of walk, not a lot of strikeouts. That's great because people really hate strikeouts. People hate strikeouts. Yeah, they like they think, and they, they like think they're the they devil. like home runs, right? They like yeah. home runs and they hate strikeouts. That's great. Edwin signing was fantastic, huh? It's ranks right below the Kendrys Morales one for Jake. I have the Edwin as better. Jake's heavy on Kendrys was the best signing this year. Hey, you're the one that brought up he who shall not be named, and you're the guy that calls him by the same name. So that's a uh... That's yeah, but, a little trap city by you right there. Yeah, but that's a mistake I make. You willingly and knowingly wrote in your <laughs> oh, diary, Kendris Morales yeah. moved best of the year. People are getting sick to their stomach, including myself and Katie. Katie, an awesome sharp Saturday with a little twist of butter knife in there. I, I love getting, uh, when, when you break it down like that, it's funny that you could put Edwin Encarnacion in the same boat with, Maybe this year's NL MVP, this year's AL MVP, and potentially last year's NL MVP, or not potentially even, but that's uh that's awesome. And yeah, I I guess you know we we like to be positive on here. Be so happy with the Edwin Encarnacion trade <laughs> uh, for a 19 year old minor leaguer, Juan. Then good luck, Juan. No offense to you. Uh, we are rooting Edwin, um, Katie, as always. I mean, this is your this is your Michael Jordan game. Flu game, yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, tweet at KT Sharp and thank her as always. She's the best. Uh, thank you for listening to our Sharp Stats episode as always. You guys have been listening to them more than the other stuff. It's like you guys like Katie more than us or something, but whatever. We, we won't dive Before into you that officially today. sign off, Jake. <laughs> uh, before you officially sign off and we go, Katie, I tweeted this out because I was interested how many teams use a three-man bench in the AL and how many use a four because I don't know if there's somewhere you could find it. One guy said that the Angels, Yankees, and Detroit are the only that use a three. This guy is a Houston fan. He says that they rotate depending on the situation. <clears throat> and one said, ask Katie Sharp. She knows everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I I'm just pulling up my Twitter right now. I do not know that. I have not looked. Um, I'm interested because because that's been the norm for the Yankees for a couple of seasons now. But it seems like they're in the minority. Only this guy says, and how could I? No offense, Michael Matthews, but I don't know if you're just bullshitting or not. But I think they are in the minority, which I didn't really realize. A lot of teams still use four. 
I think that 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 might have. Yeah, I haven't looked at that, but um, I, I hate it. No. That might be our official. That might have to be our official sign-off line. Ask Katie Sharp. She knows, she knows everything. everything. There you go. So. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you, guys, thank you guys for listening. Go Yanks. Tell them, Grams. Go Yankees. <laughs>